0: Welcome to C is for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories. From A to Z. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of C is for Creepy. Thank you to everybody who listened to last week's episode. We are so excited to bring you this week's episode on the letter M. Yes. And as always, please not are... the letter M. Yeah the letter M. Yeah, we're on M already. Oh yes, yes. Uh-huh. As always, please don't forget to uh, uh, give us a rating or leave a review. We really appreciate those and we love reading them. Yes, and please make sure that if you have any questions or concerns or you have any stories you want us to cover, please make sure to email us at c4creepy at gmail.com. Absolutely. All right, now on to the letter M. Yes, please tell me what you are covering today. So, the topic I'm going to cover for M is murder for hire. Ooh. Also known as contract killing, this is when a murder is carried out on an agreement with a hired killer. Interesting. Reasons for someone hiring a hitman. So, this person. The person hiring the hit is also known as the instigator. Oh, that's fitting. Right? So the reasons vary. And there was a study done in 2003 in Australia. And that study shows, showed that 20% of murder for hires involve a romantic relationship breakdown. And 16 were financially motivated. I feel like a financially motivated one, you would spend a lot of your money on the contract killer. You would think, but I do also feel like uh, prices vary as well. Oh. Yeah, we'll get to it. Okay. So, often associated with organized crime and also with assassinations, the benefit of using a contracted killer or hitman, or when referring to, like, the mob, those are known as enforcers. Okay. Is that it can be more difficult to apprehend the instigator? That's surprising. Because if I was an enforcer, I would throw you under the bus, depending. Depending. I would say, especially like it, with a mob dynamic. Okay, not a mob dynamic, but like. If it was just like some random Joe went and hired me to kill someone for him and I got caught. Oh yeah, he going down. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going down, he going down. I'm gonna make sure we have the text to prove it. (laughs) Right? Receipts are didn't happen. Exactly. Without physical evidence linking the instigator and the contract killer, it can be more difficult to charge or find the instigator guilty. I'm so sorry. I'm not finding your story boring. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. It's been a long (laughs) it's been a long week. (laughs) The same Australian study, which found between 1989 and 2002, was that of all the murders in Australia, 2% were contract killings. Hmm. This study did a comprehensive look into 163 attempted and completed contract killings and found a wide range of price points with one attempted murder performed for 500 Aussie dollars discount murder for hire well I mean it was an attempt so maybe it was his first one I would think so I would hope so you know just try to dip your toes into the business I'm not gonna lie though I feel like that would be very cheap and I don't think I would go for it I I agree I'd be skeptical I feel like that would be a surefire way to get caught Hmm. <laughs> I I get that yeah i don't know maybe he had a promo code maybe <laughs> i say he i don't know could they, they they had a promo i <laughs> i don't know but um five hundred dollars seemed very cheap for a hitman yeah i wouldn't kill someone for five hundred dollars no absolutely not like i wouldn't kill someone on a good day but <laughs> bad day <laughs> not for five hundred dollars no like maybe like two million dollars. We oh. we could talk. Okay. But then for two million dollars I could outsource. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd have to split some of that and more Well oh, t- no, I would just find the five hundred dollar discount just for the mail, man. <laughs> well remember it was only an attempt, so oh, yikes. No no wonder it was not successful. An <laughs> <laughs> in... St- sorry. Could you also imagine if your soul was only worth $500 to someone? Oh, that's a good point. That, yeah. I would be insulted. I would also be insulted. You're like, 500 Who a big spender. <sighs> like, obviously you didn't want me going that bad. Yeah. But no. No. I, I would be insulted. <laughs> <laughs> you charge how much? Okay. <laughs> Whoever wanted you dead only wanted to pay $500. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> I'm insulted for that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that. <laughs> okay, so an interesting factor in contract killings is the psychological distance exhibited by both the instigator and the hitman. The instigator can sleep at night because they did not physically kill the target, and the hitman can can distance themselves by believing it's just a job and they're just following instructions. So either way, they're both able to put the blame on the other person. Mm -hmm. When it it takes two to tango, you're both equally at fault here. Mm -hmm. Like there wouldn't be a market for people to go kill, like pay for murder, if you weren't advertising it. Which leads me to the next question. I've never dabbled in the dark web, but I'm curious how easy or difficult it would be to find a murder for hire. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. So most people do not know many competent people willing to commit murders. Right here. Exactly. (laughs) So most instigators will search the internet for potential candidates. Specifically found on the dark web, which makes tracing difficult, sites have been popping up mm-hmm. offering murder-for-hire with different selling methods offered at different price points. And, like, they have add-ons, so if you want to torture the person, you can pay an extra, like, $10,000. Why do I feel like that's a Farmville ad for adding extra... <laughs> Is it stars or whatever? <laughs> I feel like that would be, you would just get your money stolen. A hundred percent. So it's very likely that there's legitimate hitman out there operating on the dark web. They're not going to be so overt. Mm -hmm. Because that's how you get, like, that's a big flashing sign to the FBI to investigate Mm -hmm. somebody offering murder for hire. Yeah, here, let me just click the torture drop down. Right? Um, So what? it is a scam, these sites. And it's really smart when you think about it. Because the people that they're targeting, these people willing to pay to kill someone, would be in so much trouble. And there actually was an instance where a woman was imprisoned for attempted first-degree murder from from paying like $12,000 to kill someone to the one of these scam sites i'm sorry she ratted herself out i don't you would have had to i don't remember how it happened how it came about i think i i don't remember the case completely Mm because i I didn't write it down it's just a fun anecdote but i believe somebody was concerned like there was a one particular man that did a huge in-depth search and like went and tried to expose a bunch of these sites and, like, bring them to justice. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, was one of the people that got caught up. Oh, okay. Yeah. hmm mm-hmm. So, either way, they are the perfect victims for these scam artists. So, just a PSA. You have a problem with someone. You know, you can talk about your feelings. Hiring someone to kill them is not a general, a, a good use of your feelings. For your money. Or your money. Just <laughs> pay for therapy instead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're sitting here giggling about it, but in reality, friends, this is not an option. No. This shouldn't be an option. Not a <laughs> good <laughs> option. Okay. But we just try to make it light. I'm laughing because okay. I'm like, So on to my case. This case has been covered both by Oxygen and was featured in a website of Snapped. Snapped? Yes. I don't really know how it ended up on Snapped because I don't feel like this case is like a Snapped case. Like, it, it feels rather planned, not like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, this is the murder of firefighter Lieutenant William Walker. Okay. Walker was a lieutenant with the Cleveland Fire Department, and was considered a well-known and respected member of his community. So, with that being said, was he actually... The reports that I read said that he was a genuinely good person. Okay. Perfect. Although Walker had gone through a divorce, the man was known to many to always have a smile on his face. Well, that's nice. Right? And he had met someone new. Aloma Hurry is the girl, woman that he started seeing. hmm So, Curry and Walker had been dating for about three years when disaster, unfortunately, struck. Curry had been given a stage four breast cancer diagnosis. Ooh. As Curry's insurance would not cover the treatments, Walker proposed to his longtime girlfriend so that she would be entitled to his health insurance benefits. So, like, genuinely a good guy. Mm-hmm. Right, just wants the best, like, wants to do what he can. Yeah, like, obviously, he loved her, and like, that was gonna happen down the road, anyways. But Mm -hmm. if this helps you, like, I 100% let's do this. Yeah, right. The couple had a small court wedding, and they were in the process of moving the family to a new home in the suburbs. Okay. It was just four months into the marriage that something just terrible happened. Lieutenant Walker was shot multiple times outside his home after picking up dinner. one received a call from his distraught wife on November 3rd, 2013. And when emergency services arrived on scene, Walker was bleeding heavily while Aloma was hysterically tending to him. Okay. While Walker was still alive when emergency services arrived, he passed away from his injuries around midnight. It was determined following an autopsy that the lieutenant had been shot four times in the abdomen. Okay. On the scene, investigators gathered 9 millimeter shell casings for evidence, and they noticed that Walker's wallet had been left behind. So that ruled out any potential robbery. Mm-hmm. There was also DNA evidence found on the 9 millimeter casings. Huh. So when you're loading bullets into a magazine. Like you gotta physically like put them in. They don't just come like pre-clipped. Yeah. (laughs) So there would be like skin cells? Yeah. Oh? That's impressive. Right? That's 2013. I mean they better be able to pick up DNA there. I guess, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was determined that the killer had been waiting to ambush Walker by the garage. Police wanted to speak to his new wife and they found her behavior odd. As even though she was vocally concerned, she didn't have any blood on her, indicating she hadn't even attempted to revive or even hold her dying husband. Oh my god. Like, that would be my first instinct. Right play. Not necessarily to revive, but definitely, like, how do you stop yourself from holding someone you love when they're in pain like that? It's like an automatic response. And don't get me wrong, I understand that people process trauma in different ways but that along with her behavior just it was a red flag to the police. Mm -hmm. After being asked who would want to harm the kind firefighter she said her ex-husband had been jealous of her recent marriage. He was quickly ruled out as a potential suspect however as her ex-husband was already in custody after a parole violation. Hmm. One would think you would double check that if you were gonna maybe throw somebody under the bus, you would. I'm just assuming that she did it, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I would make sure that whoever I pointed a finger at didn't have a good alibi. Right? Well, another person of interest was a man named Eugene Gray, who had a confrontation with Walker after blasting music and smoking pot while parked on Walker's driveway. Walker had understandably been upset, Mm -hmm. and approached Cray, who drove off immediately. Again, we think that that would warrant shooting him in the middle of the day. Right? Like, you're understandably in the wrong. I just fuck off and never want to see him again. Right. Okay. Well, either way, police brought Cray in for questioning, and the man had not seen Walker since that incident, and he also provided a DNA sample, which came back as not a match. Okay. The now Curry Walker was a person of was a person of interest and after her interview with police they did a deep dive about her life. Well, it didn't take them long to find the massive debt that she had accumulated, even maxing out several credit cards that were in her husband's name. Ooh, and this was without his knowledge. Okay. Despite the probable fact that Curry Walker was using her kind-hearted husband for money, there was no substantial evidence pointing to her as the culprit for his murder. Do firefighters make enough, like, that much money? Well, it's a credit card. I guess. So, like, if even if she, she was able to take out several $10,000 credit cards in his name, like, that's still $70,000. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they were moving to a new house, so she but was... But you think that that would have shown up when they were going to buy the house, unless they rented. Probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure, but... Because they can see all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if you found out about it. Mm, I don't think so. Oh. I truly don't think so. While the trail ran cold after this, and for the eight months that followed, in December of 2014, Crime Stoppers and the Cleveland Fire Department offered a $12,000 reward for any information. One of the tips that came in stood out. A man named Enrique Ramos said his friend had been approached by someone named Chad Paget, offering money. For killing william walker what a narc of a friend oh well, it was a friend of a friend well he said his friend was approached by someone yeah so enrique's friend was approached by chad but enrique's friend okay still you're narcing on your friend well obviously cause I, I think the friend was like hey enrique guess what this fucker chad just asked of me Maybe, yeah. That's that's how I feel. That conversation went down. K. Right? Fuck yeah! I didn't have to kill anybody, and I got money. Yeah. <laughs> After police obtained a search warrant to go out to go through Paget's phone records, they found communications between Jacqueline, his cousin Chris Hine, and someone named Ryan Doherty. So this is where it gets a little convoluted. There's going to be a lot of names, and I will try to keep it simple. Okay. Well, we will see. Okay. (laughs) After going through the phone records, police brought Curry Walker in for further questioning and discovered that since her husband died, she had not been to any doctor's appointment. Given the extremely late-stage cancer she was supposedly going through, police found this odd. Mm Mm-hmm. Upon looking deeper afterwards, it was discovered that she had not been receiving chemotherapy or taking any medications. Okay. Walker's daughter said that his ex-wife Rita still loved him, so it is probable that Curry Walker had faked the diagnosis to speed up their progression of the relationship and marry Walker sooner rather than later. Okay. Which is just so fucked up to me but you were only married like what four months yeah absolutely nothing would be in her name but just the fact that she would fake a cancer diagnosis to speed up their relationship because a person should trust the person they're with doesn't matter if the ex-wife still has feelings for her ex-husband right this all seems a little slimy very slimy okay Okay, Especially like given that he was a genuinely good person. Mhm. It's just so stupid. I should also mention that Paget was dating Jacqueline and Jacqueline was Curry Walker's daughter. Oh, okay. So there is a family connection as well. That's so Curry Walker's daughter yeah is dating padgett yeah who contacted Chad Chad is the boyfriend of Jacqueline, who is Cory Walker's daughter. And who's Padgett? The boyfriend. Chad Padgett? Chad Paget. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of names. It's hard to keep them all straight. It was a text message from Padgett saying that, quote, he had a body. Immediately after Walker's murder, that prompted police to bring the 21-year-old man in for questioning. At first, Paget denied any involvement in the death of Lieutenant William Walker, but eventually he cracked. Paget told police that he had been hired by his girlfriend's mother to kill her husband. Hmm. According to her daughter Jacqueline, Aloma Curry Walker had first brought up the murder of her husband when she was in the car. With Padgett and her 17 year old daughter. What? What? That is child abuse. (laughs) Curry Walker had said that the killer would have to make it look like a robbery gone south. Jacqueline also testified her mother said, quote, No one would believe I would hire a bunch of kids to kill someone when I know people that could, end quote. Then why didn't you? Right? The goal was to cash in on her husband's life insurance policy worth $100,000 to pay off the massive amount of debt that she had accumulated. Oh, um, is it really $100,000 worth for your husband? Like, my goodness. No. Mm-mm. So the plot thickened, as even though Curry Walker had given a $1,000 as a down payment for the murder, to happen. Paget did not want to be the one to kill Walker himself. Mm-hmm. He reached out to his friend. So friend, cousin, it was kind of used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. But so Chris Hine, who had made an attempt in October, but was unsuccessful. Hine then reached out to a man named Doherty, who actually did commit the murder of Lieutenant William Walker. A giant game of telephone murder. Right. <laughs> I don't like talking to people at the best of times, and I can't imagine being like, hey, wanna kill someone for me? I tried, but it it just didn't go well. Right? It's for a friend of mine. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> and then like now, this is what? One, two, three, five divisions of people that know about this plan. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, by the second time somebody tried to kill him, I would have been like, nah, nah, new plan. Yeah. Too many people know about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Paget had supplied the gun to Dory, Doherty, but the mastermind of the plot was Curry Walker. With the four co-conspirators in custody, all four of them made plea agreements where they would give testimony against pretty much everybody else, including Curry Walker. Mm-hmm. Paget pled guilty to manslaughter and conspiracy, and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. Oh. Doherty pled guilty to, to aggravated murder, and was sentenced 23 years. Pine pled guilty to aggravated murder and conspiracy, and was sentenced to 18 years. Jacqueline, who was a minor, was sentenced to one month as per juvenile guidelines. Well, and Jacqueline also didn't have any, like, she knew about she it. She knew about it, and she didn't report anything, so that, she, it's not like she supplied a gun, it's not like she was talking to people about bringing other people in, she just, she happened to know. She was a bystander, kind yeah, of thing? Kind of, yeah. Ooh. Curry Walker had claimed that Walker was abusing her. And that was the reason she had hired Padgett to murder her husband. This was proven to be a lie. She also tried to push the blame on her own daughter, saying the conspiracy was her idea. Hmm. So you're going to listen to a 17-year-old to commit a murder? Yeah. That's your defense? Okay. Fortunately, the jury didn't buy it. Curry Walker was charged with aggravated murder murder, conspiracy, and two counts of felonious assault and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole in in 2017. Holy, it took four years. Yep. Yep. Well, karma prevails. Because remember that 100000 life insurance policy that William Walker had? Yeah. Well, Curry Walker had not been listed as the beneficiary. Let and me guess, let me guess. It was his ex-wife. All the money from his death fund to his ex-wife Rita. Yes. And she chose to take, keep it. Which fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like his new wife doesn't deserve a penny of that. Uh a hundred percent. But like I could understand maybe like it being passed to some of his children. But Did Rita have children with him? Yes. Then in like essentially it will ideally ideally yeah but uh that was the case of William Walker and the very convoluted murder for hire that was a wild ride right i read that one and i was just flabbergasted like just the twists and turns (laughs) you would think that if you were gonna make such a hard plan to unalive someone you would make sure that you're actually gonna end up with the money (laughs) Wait more than four months and make sure that the the life insurance policy is going to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like oh my goodness, I can't. Um although you it would be pretty suspicious, I think, if she had this supposed cancer diagnosis if the insurance wasn't like the medical insurance that she was supposed to be pulling wasn't coming out. So that could have cost some red flags as well for him. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, so there might have been a reason why it was like the murder had to take place so soon. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're, Because it was in the states, right? Yeah. Yeah, those medical bills definitely. It would be very noticeable if there was not expenses being like paid. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. crazy. Yeah, so. I had fun researching that one. (laughs) No kidding. Well, thank you so much for that story, Elise. That is no problem at all. What is your M? My M is for a mirror. Ooh! A dark mirror. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah, so the dark mirror is with the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult. Okay, which I think is super cool hundred percent. Okay. So, in June of 2015, the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult owned by Greg and Dana Newkirk was approached by a woman about an item that had started to cause strain on her family. Okay. We'll call her Sarah. Sarah told the museum that after visiting a yearly psychic expo, her mother had taken an interest in a black mirror scrying, purchasing her own mirror at an event. Even if you don't know it by name, if you've ever seen someone gaze into a crystal ball, you're familiar with the concept of scrying. Mm -hmm. Since at least the 10th century, scryers have used reflective stones, bowls of water, and dark glass in order to induce a trance like state they use to see the future, speak with the dead, or perform certain magic rituals. Cool. Mm -hmm. Now scrying is starting to see a bit of a modern resurgence. But not in the pop culture form, which most people are familiar with. Instead of using a crystal ball, black mirrors have become the preferred method of divination. So I just want to confirm when you say black mirror, what exactly is that? It's like tinted black glass. Okay, because I was like, picturing like an evil looking mirror. I don't know why that was just like a, the first thought that came to my head. So Yeah, no, it's it's just like a dark mirror. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, very aesthetically pleasing. I'm not going to lie, I kind of want one in my life, just for, like, aesthetics. Yeah, 100% I could see that. But, like, living in the paranormal house that I do, I feel like that could just... As long as you're not using it for scrying, though. But could you imagine, like, walking past it in the middle of the night and some witch's face is staring at you? Mm. Go back to bed. (laughs) Yeah, I... (sighs) Just don't buy it used. <laughs> Brand new only. How do you know? How do you know it's not someone just trying to get rid of some tainted shit? Just, like, hopefully IKEA starts carrying them. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. So, it's not hard to find them. Uh, You can buy them at Etsy or on Expos, like the one Sarah's mother attended. Mm-hmm. Which, me and my sister-in-law go to a lot of, like, these witch markets around the city. Mm-hmm. And I see them there all the time. Yeah. Just there super expensive um yeah sarah told newkirk that in the weeks that followed the expo her mother became increasingly distanced as she practiced her scrying with the new mirror when she could manage to get her mother on the phone her conversations were vacant and full of doom and gloom Ah. eventually sarah's mother confided that no matter how hard she tried her scrying attempts were less than successful in fact she believed there was something wrong with her mirror Oh. That's not what you want to hear. No. Which, like, if you think about it one way, if it's not working, no harm, no foul. Yeah. But if she thinks it's not working, but, like, her daughter is seeing this weird change in her, I think that's where it gets really creepy. I would think so. Yeah. Well, especially because, like, aren't mirrors supposed to be, like, a portal to other realms? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So, as Sarah's mother became more and more withdrawn and obsessed with perfecting her divination, Sarah finally decided to step in, visiting her mother's home and demanding to see the mirror herself. Her mother, visibly distraught, opened a closet and pulled out a small frame draped in a black veil. Ooh. So it's in a closet and it's draped. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that. When Sarah asked her mother why she'd been keeping the mirror covered and locked away, she broke down in tears and replied that it was simply evil. Sarah kept the mirror wrapped in its cloth, stuffed it in a box, and took it home with her. Wow. That is, well, especially going from, I don't think my scrying's working, to, oh no, it's evil. Get it out of my house, yeah. I know. Yikes. Right. Shortly afterwards, Sarah got in touch with the museum and admitted that while she had decided to chalk most of the events up to an elderly woman taking her hobbies too seriously, she still couldn't shake the heebie-jeebies that the scrying mirror gave her. Under the condition of anonymous, anonymous, anonymity and, <laughs> and regular updates, she donated the mirror to the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and the Occult, Newkirk, cleared a display space for it, and like most of their items, it sat there quietly, without issue. Okay. Nobody's looking at it, though, so what issue could it have? Right. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So, on the morning of June 20th, the museum began packing up their pieces they wanted to display at the museum's latest stop. So this is a traveling museum of all haunted items. That is so cool. And I don't have it written down, but somewhere that I read, it was like one of the only ones that picks up and travels their tickle trunk of scary items. Is there any chance they go to Canada? Not that I see. Damn. Right? <laughs> like, please come here. Please, oh god, could you imagine trying to cross the border with some of that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> don't uncover the what? what are you trafficking? Oh Spirits. God. I don't even know what would be worse, going through, like, the border crossing, or going through, like, the travel. OTSA? Like, yeah. Like, at the airport? <laughs> what would be worse? I don't know. I think e- they would both equal, at least you, there's no potential to miss your flight at the border crossing. This is true. You're not giving up a flight. But could you imagine having all of your contents of your minivan, or van, or whatever, scroll like. Across the highway while they're trying to look at your haunted shit. Bring in the dogs. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, um, eager to share the new object and its story, they grabbed the scrying mirror and placed it in their travel box. This would be its first time on public display. Within minutes of unloading the boxes, guests were already inquiring as to what was hidden under the black veil. Oh. Which, like if you think about it. How creepy if you're walking up to something and it's veiled in black. I feel like, oh, I I would want to know what's underneath. I don't blame them. After recounting the history of the item, the museum reiterated one of their biggest draws of their traveling display. If you'd like to hold it, use it, experiment with it, or test it, be our guest. The stipulation being that you do so at your own risk. One woman waved her arms and bellowed a hearty, hell no. Others pushed their lips and squinted their eyes while they weighed the pros and cons. Ha! You'd be the one being, hell no! I would be. mm no. Mm-mm, no thank you. Wholeheartedly don't need whatever that is coming home with me. But one woman wasted no time reaching down and grabbing the mirror, ripping off the veil. She only gazed into the, glinted, into the glinting black glass for about 30 seconds before her expressing, expression changed from incredulity to horror. She quickly slammed the frame face down on the table, her eyes wide with shock. Oh, man. When asked what she saw, she said, I saw my own decomposing corpse looking back at me. Oh, that's a dark mirror. I should not have done that. I need to go say a prayer. Excuse me. Oh, oh, snap. Yeah. I've never looked at something and been like, okay, I I gotta go pray this one off, so. (laughs) (laughs) I should start saying that when I have really awful encounters with people. (laughs) I need to go say a prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I think I'm (laughs) going to (laughs) start there. Oh, no, that poor woman, though. The lady wandered off quietly and the name stuck. For the rest of the event, guests were whispering about the dark mirror, some eventually building up the courage to try it out for themselves. For many, the scariest thing they saw was their own reflection. Oh, stone cold. <laughs> <It was> savage. <laughs> but for the rest, the negative reactions were coming in so often and so aggressively that the museum began to wonder if they needed to rework their disclaimer. Wow. Oh, oh, she gets better. Oh, I'm so excited. Reports of strange visions, warping faces, and general sense of dread were pouring in from the mirror's gazers. Some people saw nothing at all, while others saw... Nothing at all, not even their own reflection. Nothing at all being just their own reflection. Okay, I just thought, because that would be super creepy as well if you looked in the mirror and... You see nothing? Oh. Oh, I just wanted to make sure, because, like... That would give me the heebie. That would freak that me. That did give me the heebie. <laughs> that would freak me the fuck out. <laughs> no, like, they just saw themselves. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Maybe they were the ones that said a prayer before. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And was like, heck no. <laughs> While other people saw twisted shapes, black masses, or demonic figures, some saw themselves, but deformed, withered, distorted, or even dead. Others... <laughs> saw visions that were so horrifying that incited panic attacks. Oh, wow. Wow. Later in the evening, one woman decided to press her palm to the surface of the black glass. Ooh. And wound up spending the next two hours violently polishing the mirror to get the imprint to disappear. She, too, had claimed to see her own corpse in the reflection, along with other visions she refused to repeat. And when I... And it wasn't until she threatened to smash the mirror that her palm finally faded. That's really interesting. Like, like it has a mind of its own. Exactly. Ooh. Oh. The mirror wasn't quite the same when they brought it back to the museum. After Newkirk had unpacked the collection and returned the items to their usual places, Newkirk noticed himself staring off into space, and when snapped back to awareness, realizing that he had been staring at the cupboard mirror the whole time. Newkirk would start to feel a strong urge to gaze into the black box. Maybe they were just subconsciously weirded out by the disturbing reports of those who gaze, but he couldn't shake the feeling that the mirror wanted. him. Oh, I don't like that. That is creepy. Oh, no, I don't like that. I wonder, though, why the mirror like shows different visions for different people. Like, how come one person just sees themselves? I, I I just really wonder how it, like, picks and chooses who sees what. That's a great question. Maybe it has something, like, I I couldn't find this, uh-huh. so I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Um, But maybe it has something to do with, like, your spirituality and, like, your willingness and openingness. I would say, I could definitely understand, like, the openness, because, like, even though it's a portal, like a mirror is just a reflection. So maybe that reflection is what you. I don't know. That's just getting too meta. Maybe it's like a vision of your own personal hell. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I find it so strange that some people are like, it's just a fucking mirror, guys. And other people are oh, this is what you look like, and it's bringing on panic attacks. Yeah. yeah and now this guy is it has to be your spirituality openness it has to be something along the like those lines i would think okay okay i'll accept your explanation that's my feelings Okay. because there's no other like... like obviously there's no there's no way to know obviously well they have to do a test <laughs> bring a skeptic in let's get this sorted out bring in 10 skeptics 10 believers and 10 middle grounds yeah See who sees the most. Yeah. Get a control. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I think it's a really good point to know, figure it out, like, who and why. What if it's just fucking around? It's like... Well, exactly. That's the thing. You get a candy, you don't get a candy. You get a candy, you get a poison. Right? (gasps) See, I I just, I really wish that they would test it out, and I, I get that there's probably no way to know, I just, I found it. I just really want to. I think I think that would be super interesting to hear, too. <clears throat> Maybe in, like, ten years they'll come up with that. Hopefully they hear this and are like, we'll get it together, girls. I would like to be in that uh, as the middle ground. <laughs> I'll be the person in the white coat doing making notes. <laughs> oh, no, you're also doing it. <laughs> so, um, now the mirror starts to get physical. Oh. The museum was visiting the infamous Penhurst Asylum when the mirror once again became the centerpiece for weirdness. Which, why are we bringing it to paranormal places? That doesn't seem like a very wise choice. I feel like there's other black mirrors that you could bring that's not showing corpses. Why are you bringing haunted shit to a haunted area? That's literally like asking for a toy doll to walk across the floor (laughs) and think nothing of it. (laughs) Maybe they're like, we need more evidence. We'll bring the spooky into the, I don't know. Bad juju, guys. Mm-mm. Within an hour to go before doors opened to the public, the caretakers of the property were checking out the table and inquired about the mirror. <clears throat> as usual, the museum gave the history and then the option to try it out themselves. One woman, who referred to herself as the group skeptic, decided to give it a whirl. Moments later, she was telling everyone that she'd watched her mouth whisper to her, even though they could all see and vouch that her mouth had never moved. Oh, nope. Yeah. Throughout the rest of the night, the reports from gazers were twice as creepy as before. If not more so, one particularly large and imposing man, upon seeing the commotion the mirror was causing, shrugged off the warnings from bystanders and laughed as he held the mirror at arm's length and stared deeply into it soon, only to stagger backwards and nearly drop the piece, yelling a string of profanities the whole time. (laughs) The man claimed he'd watched another person who looked exactly like himself peer around from behind his reflection and walk away. Oh, fuck that. The experiences this time weren't simply constrained to visual strangeness. Nearly half a dozen gazers reported the feeling of electricity coursing from the mirror's frame as they held it, Oh, even rubbing their sore arms afterwards. Oh. Some people complained of headaches after staring into it, and one woman vividly described the feeling and taste of her mouth filling with blood. Oh, oh. no. Nope. When it came time for the guests to begin their paranormal investigation of Penhurst Asylum, Jennifer Kirkland, one of the organizers of the tour and investigator with Shock Paranormal, took the dark mirror to one of Penhurst's quiet rooms for her own experiment. Okay, somebody's experimenting with it. Half an hour later, she returned, her eyes wide, telling everyone how she'd watched people who weren't there mill around the empty room. Mm, when they arrived home from the event, the new cur. Or, when they arrived home from the event, Newkirk placed the dark mirror back on its usual shelf and collapsed from exhaustion after an eight-hour drive. When Newkirk woke up, he noticed that both cats were sitting in the chair at the far end of the living room doing that chirping sound that cats make. Okay, I love that noise. That's when he realized that not only do they never sit in the same chair at once, but that the cats weren't looking out the window. They were looking at the mirror. Oh. It was uncovered and the veil lying on the floor. Oh. Now maybe the cats have pulled the veil off and got spooked. Maybe the wind did it. He then picked the frame up and went to cover it. The cats scattered and ran into the next room. In fact, the cats wouldn't go anywhere near the mirror, even going into hiding when presented with it. Ugh. The next several days, it continued each morning, walking into the living room, pausing to finding the mirror unveiled and glinting in the sunlight. Why would they... Put it in their living room, like I understand it's a traveling museum, but I feel like think, don't quote me on this. I think their house is also like, like people can come and see it. Oh, okay. I think. Okay, that makes more sense then. One would think that like you would have a definite living quarters and yeah museum quarter, but I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Personally, I would not have that shit on display, but that's just... Not not where I live. No. The mirror was uncovering itself at night. That, no. Mm-mm. So, Newkirk, as anyone would, pulled out a motion-activated trail camera and mounted it on a tripod. For the next week, he pointed it at the dark mirror every night before bed. Not only did he find the mirror uncovered three out of those seven nights, but the camera's memory card was empty each time. Oh, no. No cats, no wind, nothing. Even stranger, on day seven, they went to check the SD card, only to find it had been corrupted. Whoa. They could tell it had nearly 100 megabytes of used space, but it refused to open. Any attempt to even format the card failed, creating a status bar that just kept growing. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Having, like, tried to work with corrupted data before, I understand how frustrating that is. And to see it keep growing over something so frickin' spooky, I can't imagine the feeling. Right? (sighs) Oh. It doesn't get any. Uh Uh-oh. So, again on display at Ohio State Reformatory, because why would we not? The Dark Mirror was willing to perform. Of course it was. No corpses this time, but instead, at least three separate guests reported watching a black mass hover near their left shoulder, while others claimed to see themselves age 40 years. That is so bizarre. I don't know. I think the black mask would honestly be creepier. I, um, I, don't, I don't know about creepy factor. It's, I think that it's changing. That what people are seeing is constantly changing. Why? We'll get there. Okay. So the highlight, though, came when Brock and Dave from Paranormia Radio invited the new Kirk's to sit down for a live interview. During which, someone hands Newkirk the mirror. After a bit of coaxing from Dave, who was back in the studio, Brock decided that he would give the mirror a try on live air. With an exclamation of, holy shit, Brock described watching his face distort and twist, grins spreading across his face. He covered it up and refused to investigate it any further. Ugh. It seems that the dark mirror is a bad influence, not just on the people who dare to gaze into it, but on the objects that it's displayed with. Oh. Suddenly, and for the first time, many of the objects that were presented to the museum as haunted were starting to act that way. The haunted painting tossed itself from a wall. The creepy doll named Ruby had mysteriously disappeared. Mm -mm. And while no one had seen it, they were very sure they heard the charred Ouija planchette sliding around in its glass display case. No. No. For that reason, they don't keep the mirror on display anymore. Instead, it is wrapped in a sheet of rose Oh, sorry. Instead, it is wrapped in a sheet, a rosary draped over it and locked in a chest. Yeah, well, it seems to be getting power more powerful the more people it interacts with. It's as if the dark mirror is acting as a battery. Mhm. After each event, the phenomena that the mirror exhibits attracts is a little harder to ignore, leading the museum to believe that by allowing the brave and the curious to, glaze, to, <laughs> graze, to, graze. <laughs> to gaze into the mirror, not to mention doing so in some of the world's most haunted places or charging it and giving it the juice it needed to affect itself and other objects. Oh, no. The dark mirror is best used in the museum's psychomantium. A small enclosed area set up with a comfortable chair, dim lighting, and a mirror angled so as to not reflect anything. The darkness intended to communicate with spirits of the dead where distractions are known. Okay. So it's still being used. Yeah. It's just no longer being traveled with. I don't even know if it's not being traveled with oh like i would hope not but i didn't find anything that stated otherwise i see okay that's really creepy yeah it would be interesting to see if like they are still traveling with it i I would hope not just but i mean like it's obviously given a lot of different reactions so why wouldn't they take such a yeah but if it's also getting more dangerous as it gets powered. Maybe that's why they're not traveling with it. I hope that they're not. I uh, but my references were paramuseum.com, weekandweird.com Mysteriousuniverse.org (laughs) CincinnatiTirefind.com Oh, backslash Museum of the Paranormal in a cult. That makes sense. And sci-fi.com. Oh, that was so cool. I'm glad you covered it in haunted object. Oh I know you were You're pretty excited. Um. Oh, that one gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I there's actually quite a few with their traveling museum that are really interesting. So I think I'm gonna cover some of them. Yay! I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay, that wraps us up for M. Thank you so much for listening, and please make sure to listen to Friday's Nocturnal Novella episode. That's right. Our third edition of the Nocturnal Novellas. That's pretty, I'm so excited. I love the nocturnal novellas. Me too. I think we're going to record that one right after this. Yes. So I'm very excited. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening. Check us out next Tuesday to listen to N cases. Make sure to subscribe and review and leave us comments. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to email us at c4creepy at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye thanks for tuning in to c is for creepy we put out weekly episodes every tuesday going through the creepy alphabet check out our website at acast.com slash c is for creepy or on facebook at c is for creepy podcast or on instagram at c for creepy podcast if you have any questions concerns, or suggestions, please email us at c4creepy at gmail.com. Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at lexxa underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.